Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 18. We noted last time that the uh, the chapter ends on a little bit of a down note there that we saw how uh, it seems, anyway, that Hithophel is just really, uh, because of this idolatry of self, this self-preoccupation with image, uh, he commits suicide. And, well, you know, if Absalom doesn't have Ahithophel on his side, doesn't have him in his corner, well, we could kind of see the writing on the wall. This feels very much today uh, similar to the death of Abner, followed uh, just very quickly then by the death of uh, Ishbael or uh, Ishbosheth. So today, yes, the death of Absalom, the end of the the mutiny, you might say. Today, our guest, we've got Pastor John Shank, pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back. How are the brothers and sisters doing there in Edwardsville? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, calling, uh, talking to you from home. And dealing with a little yeah. uh, quarantine situation ourselves here, but uh, everybody's fine, and yeah. uh, we're most of the way through it, so we can rejoice in the Lord on that, so. Yeah, Goodness. one of those things. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, no, no. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's difficult, you know. I mean, you just you just don't know uh, for so much of this stuff, right? And so I know that we've had a couple times where it's just like, all right, well, we, we're not really sure, but we just, you know, it's like you got to do what you got to do. But um, mm. but yeah, no, it's yeah. Uh, you know, thank God that uh, I mean, we we can do so much from home, um, and that you know, people are pretty. I feel like I've found that people are pretty understanding of uh, needing to make yeah. those sorts of accommodations. And, uh, well, you know, like I, I heard someone mention worse the other day. This, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. That's absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, and like I was hearing deal. someone say yesterday, you know, maybe the silver lining is that maybe this is a, a mild flu season. Everyone still get your flu shots, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that'd be, that'd be great if <laughs> at least there was yeah. kind of some, some good that comes out of it. I mean, there always is by God's grace. Amen to that. Yeah, it just reminds us how much, you know, our lives are in his hands. And when he says, uh, sit here and rest a bit, we have to, we, we will be forced to listen at some that's point. Right. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> and, right. That's uh, right. Yeah. He is in control. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, isn't that a scripture like, sit your ear down and acknowledge that I'm God? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some, some, something like yeah. that. Um, so, so, <laughs> So, so so I think in some ways, you know, we were talking about this actually yesterday um, with uh, with Pastor Lekomsky, that th- this whole experience with the mutiny of Absalom is a humbling of David, that David was sort of going on this trajectory, not even sort of, he was just actually going on a trajectory of getting a big head. You know, I'm the king, so I have all the prerogatives, right? And this is, this is God bringing him back down to earth in a very painful way. I mean, through the loss of multiple children, you know, when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is this is the good, and you, you could see it in the last couple of chapters that that God is is uh, humbling the heart of His servant, which I think speaks to, I mean, just so much of why David ultimately has a positive legacy. Um, I mean, to this day, that you know, he he was um, ultimately humble, um, and, and that that just I mean benefits us in so many ways, as he pointed ahead to Christ. Yeah, and, and as you say there, pointing ahead to Christ, I mean, we definitely see a lot of that in this chapter, um, even if it's in like a reversal or 
an, an, an opposite, a, like a mirroring that doesn't, uh, yeah. doesn't give us a perfect image of Jesus, uh, but it gives us what Jesus is. That's like a, uh, a neg, a photo negative, right? Um, where, <laughs> where the, the, um, the light, which is Christ is reversed with darkness here. Um, so in some ways it's, we can still see a lot of Jesus there, how Jesus is this in its perfection of the things that we see with, um, with the death of Absalom and, and then uh, David's response and, and everything with it. It's, uh, there's still a lot of Christ here. There is, there is, and it's, and and in some ways, it really is. Uh, it's is is good to see Christ in in the midst of, like what you were saying, what's otherwise a dark picture. Because I think you know, as we keep saying, it helps us to see Christ in the midst of the darkness of our own time. So, mm-hmm. um, along those lines, uh, would you rather open us up with a prayer before we turn to the text? Yes, let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On this day, O Lord, in our nation, we remember all those in whom you have given to serve us. So we thank and praise your holy name for the service rendered by our veterans who who so sacrificially served uh, their neighbor. Help us, O Lord, uh, to live in that same way in our own lives, to look for ways to serve our own neighbors and so glorify their sacrifices and their service among us. Be with us as a nation as we remember, give thanks, and celebrate, uh, ultimately lifting up your name above all things, for you are the one who supplies all our needs uh, here through their service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you, brother, especially, uh, yeah, for uh, remembering our veterans in our in our prayers. And uh yeah, I'm sure that I, mean, I actually, when I was on Vicarage, I know I, our, our church had a uh, had a little thing because there was a school with it, and so there was a little program that they always did for Veterans Day, and so I'm sure that they're missing that right now, not being able to do that. Um, and of course, like in general, I think that there's uh, a lot of people who are missing the the human contact, but anything we can do to help stay connected and remembering people, and uh, especially, of course, just remembering uh, our veterans who, I mean, just talking about how we have, have this, uh, freedom of, uh, I mean, you know, even under the circumstances doing what we can and, uh, so much of it, it's just, we do owe certainly a debt of gratitude. Yes. Remember that. All right. Well, turning to the chapter here, um, anything else that you think we need to mention before we get started? Um, I, I think we can head into it. Uh, hopefully people have been tracking with you, um, and with the, the program, uh, going from, uh, how Absalom desired the, the hearts of, of, of Israel and in this conspiracy move forward, uh, to, to plan a whole insurrection, <laughs> coup, however you want to say it. Uh, to the point where people uh, would be pretty enamored with with him and and be very focused on him, uh, all the way down to him being uh, you know an attractive uh, just uh, you know 
to look at. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he uh, he had a, a lot of things going for him. I mean, modern day, uh, you know, uh, whoever superstar people, you know, are devoted to, uh, yeah. he was a superstar. And yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of kind of raising an eyebrow, like, "Ooh, I wonder who he's going to be uh, so bold as to compare him to." <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't do that to someone nowadays. <laughs> uh, I, can, I, I can think of a few political leaders in recent yeah. history who kind of had that sort of like rock star status. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, mm-hmm. No, no, no. Only, point was, yeah, yeah. There's not only the <laughs> sense of him being attractive, which, I mean, we have to be honest. I mean, that plays a factor in yeah, it does. Uh, business, politics, yeah. uh, in, in uh, movies and all those things. Um, but uh, he had a sense of charisma, too, um, and a sense of savviness that maybe, obviously, he used in the wrong way uh, yeah. when he desired to, you know, in you know, Chapter 15, uh, mm-hmm. to get people to... Um, see him as a better leader or then as the, you know, changeover as the king. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things there that uh, the gifts that God has given and then used in a horrible way. And now to the point where um, he's going to go out into battle against his own father. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we're going to see that this is a, this is in just many ways, a sad repetition of history here. But let's go ahead and read the chapter here. This is uh, 18, 2 Samuel, the English Standard Version. Then David mustered the men who were with him and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said to the men, I myself will also go out with you. But the men said, You shall not go out, for if we flee, they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us. Therefore, it's better that you send us help from the city. The king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I'll do. So the king stood at the side of the gate, while all the army marched out by the hundreds and by thousands. And the king ordered Joab and Abishai and Ittai, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So the army went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. And the men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David. And the loss there was great on that day, 20,000 men. The battle spread over the face of all the country, and the forest devoured more people that day than the sword. And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak. And his head caught fast in the oak, and he was suspended between heaven and earth, while the mule that was under him went on. And a certain man saw it and told Joab, Behold, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak. Joab said to the man who told him, What? You saw him? Why then did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have been glad to give you ten pieces of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Even if I felt in my hand the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, for my sake, protect the young man Absalom. On the other hand, if I had dealt treacherously against his life, and there is nothing hidden from the king, 
then you yourself would have stood aloof. Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you. He took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. And ten young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. Then Joab blew the trumpet, and the troops came back from pursuing Israel, for Joab restrained them. And they took Absalom and threw him into a great pit in the forest, and raised over him a very great heap of stones. And all Israel fled, every one to his own home. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself the pillar that's in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and it is called Absalom's monument to this day. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and carry news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You are not to carry news today. You may carry news another day, but today you shall carry no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go, tell the king what you've seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, Come what may, let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why will you run, my son, seeing that you will have no reward for the news? Come what may, he said, I will run. So he said to him, Run. And Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall, and when he looked up his, lifted up his eyes and looked, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out and told the king, and the king said, If he's alone, there is news in his mouth. And he drew nearer and nearer. The watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gate and said, See another man running alone. The king said, He also brings news. The watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, All is well. And he bowed before the king with his face to the earth and said, Blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is it well with the young man Absalom? Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I do not know what it was. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. And behold, the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Good news for my lord the king, for the king, for the Lord has delivered this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, Is it well with the young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Uh, Very, very poignant at the end. Um, You know, I mean, mean, there's just so, so much repetition here that, like I was saying, it really does feel very tragic. Um, you were kind of getting to a point about this earlier, I think, brother, how um, 
in a lot of ways, there's a parallel between Absalom and Saul. They're both these attractive, uh, charismatic leaders who are really detracting or trying to usurp David's rightful claim. Um, their their family who turn against family, you know, uh, Saul against his own son-in-law, Absalom against his own father. Um, and then you see here uh, the way that Absalom dies. I mean, uh, this is like the way that David got news about about Saul and his sons, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, and I think you can, I think you can see some, Issues, some parallels to David, where but David was brought into repentance, where with Absalom and the naming of his daughter, it's like he he would never forget what happened and never never forgive. Um, not saying what it was happened was right. Obviously, that's why there's something to be forgiven, or, or and never. Um, you know, the conspiracy and, and the, the way he brought his own justice to that situation. Um, so I, I and, and then that the, the people would go after Absalom uh, when there was a right king yeah. and then uh, the Lord's anointed. And then so you, you see similarities with with either Saul or, or then with David uh, or even, like I said, even with Jesus. But for some of those people, it's it's a comparison that reveals the opposite, right? It, just because we have a comparison, I'm not saying it's a one-to-one. Yeah. We have the opposite yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that's re- being reflected. And so, I mean, when I look throughout this, it's it's so very interesting because um, he didn't want anyone to—how could someone put their hands— and take the life of the Lord's anointed. And and then Absalom is looking to take the life of the Lord's anointed. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And, um, yeah, I, I see a lot of parallels. Some, um, like you said, with Saul, more direct comparison and some uh, a reversal, even to the point where then, like I said before, um, there's a lot of reversals that we can see with Jesus, with his death, with the message with mm-hmm. David's response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, especially there at the end, right? I mean, isn't isn't this uh, what he says there, you know, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. I mean, isn't this so much like when our Lord said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you like a, like a hen, her chicks, right? I mean, I mean, using the filial metaphor there, right? Um, and he's there, just looking at Jerusalem, like, uh, like, like his, like his dead child. I mean, I mean, because that's what he's been talking about the whole time, right? I mean, like he's been talking about the impending destruction of Jerusalem, which would happen less than forty years later. I mean, that that is, uh, I, I think, I think for me that just you know that that moment at the end here, where he's just mourning the loss of his son, and, and he's saying like, I, I would have, I would have died for you, um, and then of course yeah. our Lord Jesus saying like, I. I would have died for you, and, I, and in fact, I will die for you. And the, and the tragedy is, Jerusalem would would still die. Yeah, yeah, here, yeah, that a uh, that there will be a um, a son of David who will do this. <laughs> yeah, that a son of David will die for the sons of David, 
for their mm-hmm. sins, there will yeah. be one who will die for him uh, and in his place. But that's not, I mean, obviously that's not the the only comparison. I mean, if no. we, yeah, if we go right. back to where, yeah, where we, where we were beginning with the, uh, um, with the battle and the, you know, yeah, everything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think that's the, yeah, I think that's the, that's the, that's the big one that we'll, we'll probably uh, maybe even want to talk about a, a little bit more, but I think, I think it's, uh, yeah, it, for, for me, you know, it's kind of helpful to kind of see like, okay, so where's, where's kind of like the, the, the big, the kind of the big one here that we're kind of going towards, but, but yeah, yep. you know, let's, let's go back to the beginning here. So you, you have the, uh, the mustering here, uh, so th- this makes it clear that, you know, David, this, this isn't, uh, this isn't like in some ways, like the first time that he was on the run where he's got like 600 guys, like, like he actually has a, a, a decent, uh, you know, number, uh, you know, so he, he actually managed to keep a good number of the army, I suppose. Um, he, he's got everything set up here and, uh, it, it is really striking. I, uh, I don't know if did this occur to you. Um, you know, when the king says, you know, I, I myself will also go out with you. And they said, you shall not go out. Did that remind you of Peter um, and, and the Lord Jesus? Like, you, you will not do this. That was that was what came yeah. to mind right away for me. Yeah, yeah. I And this isn't the only time. I mean, it seems uh, we've got we've got these cyclical things for David in his life where he wants to be with his, his man. He's left behind, you know, the king, the king really can't be on the front lines. I mean, they're, they're, they're giving him good advice here. I mean, you can't, that's not, that's not smart, David. Um, So we've got some, uh, I, I think it also shows the men that he has with him are hardened veterans, right? Mm-hmm. The, these are like the, yeah. So Absalom, who's, I, we don't really know all of his military background, you know, if he's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like uh, um, other other kings you'll have to deal with later on who are young and foolish and listen to mm-hmm. young and foolish men who bring mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. some uh, bad advice. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and so these older, wiser uh men have uh, have good advice their plan is is secure and they uh the route is uh is swift yeah well and i think that that the way that you're describing it you know that these are these veterans right um who who have wise advice i i think that actually helps us clarify that moment in the gospel when peter says you know well hang on lord uh you know there's no way we're letting you go onto the front lines right um we we forget that um, I mean, I, I, there's, I think there's reasons for thinking this is very much the case, but, um, Peter was very much the Lord's elder, um, you know, as, as the eldest of the apostles had some, definitely some age on him. I mean, like, you know, Peter, uh, probably in some ways saw himself as, as like this elder, uh, veteran warrior, right. Who is giving wise counsel. And it, and it was wise in the sense of like, Hey, if we're going to do this movement here, right. If we're, if we're going to really build something here, like, you know, we, Hey, we, we can die for you. Right. I mean, isn't that interesting the way that they talk like, Hey, if half of us die, they won't care. Right. But you're worth 10,000. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, you're, you're the King. If they get you in checkmate, the game's over. Right. So, I mean, it really is when Peter comes along later, um, it's like this, right? I mean, it, it's wise. It's it's not like he's being. You know, we 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 turn it into a cartoon. We make them all seem like they're like just dummies. But um, there there is this kind of logic 
to it, which I think makes the the difference then, the photo negative, like you were saying, uh, all the more stark. I want to get your reaction to that in just a second, but it's time for our break, everybody. We'll be right back with more Thy Strong Word on 2 Samuel chapter 18. Just a minute. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. When I look at the x-ray of your funny bone, it seems that everything is A-OK. Medical research has proven laughter helps you both emotionally and physically. Wrestling with the basics on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. are on demand. We've been putting the fun in the fundamentals for over 30 years. Over 30 years? Oh, don't put too much strain on your funny bone. Nine out of ten doctors agree. It's less painful than getting a flu shot. I don't like it. Oh, yuck. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're joined today by our guest. We've got Pastor John Shank, pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, taking a look at 2 Samuel chapter 18, the, uh, the story of Absalom's death. Very tragic. Um, it, it just, you feel David's pain at the end. Uh, and, and just, and also just very, uh, just very intriguing chapter with so many different parallels. We're just looking, um, at a couple of those before the break, talking about how you you see the men saying, Hey, David, no, no, we're not, we're not going to just, you know, put the King in the middle of the chessboard. Um, and how that was, uh, it's a very interesting comparison to, to Peter in, in the gospels and, and just really just kind of generally the apostles who kind of, in some ways were like his, his generals, um, the way that they kind of were, were seeing things. Very interesting comparison. Um, before we uh, get Pastor Shank's reaction, just want to make sure to invite you guys, if you've got questions or comments uh, and you're listening live, join the conversation, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Got some Good email questions we're going to want to take a look at uh, here. One of the, the the email comments here. Onward, Christian soldiers. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting mixed picture, right? Um, you know, is, is it glory? Is it shame? Um, 
you know, so I, I guess um, the, the question here that our email is sort of like, you know, was, was it really the, the right thing that that Absalom dies here? I mean, we're going to have to deal with this, right? Because Joab just takes matters into his own hands. Um, and, and we know that in the next chapter, Joab's going to, you know, chastise David. So is, is David being naive? <laughs> Um, is Joab right? I mean, so those are that's that's a great question, really. Uh, also over yeah. Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash HA Espinosa. If you want to hop on the live video stream there, um, I, I don't have any like I should pull up a map one of these days. I really ought to. But I, I at least I got the text up here. Um, and then you can see like all the the uh, my, my Spock like Vulcan uh, eyebrow expressions that I make when when a uh, Pastor Shank makes a very intriguing comment that goes over my head. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but uh, yeah, you can join the, the conversation there as well. One of the uh, questions there, um, hang on a second, where's the fighting happening? Is this in Mahanaim? Did they cross over the ri- river to get back into Ephraim? Like, what's where is it taking place? That's a, that's a great geography question. Also seems like something that Pastor Shank should answer. So, uh, yeah, you want to take, <laughs> react to a couple of those things. So like, again, so again, the comparison with, to Peter and then, and then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you the other ones again. Yeah. I, I did not, uh, study the, uh, beyond saying that it's, uh, the forest of Ephraim, yeah. um, to, to, uh, to see, uh, I thought that, the, the reality of that forest, I thought that there was something else a little bit more interesting about that whole scene than just, uh, the Oh yeah. Yeah. Was, right. Yeah, it was totally like Tolkien, they, right? It was like Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because, uh, you know, where they said that the forest devoured more people that yeah. day than the sword. What a comment. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. And I, I was listening to some other people talk about it. And they were taking it very literally, and I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. I, I guess when I when I when I read that, I kind of more take that as the their retreat, and uh, so I, I guess I, mm. I maybe I maybe maybe I didn't uh, I, I didn't take that <laughs> uh, miracle uh, at heart there. I don't know. I was uh, convicted at my uh, uh, just uh, reading that and hearing. You know, we have uh, kind of picturing in my mind this battle yeah. along along a thick forest. I mean, we get to see it with what yeah. happens to Absalom. And if, then, uh, yeah. when, when they flee, I mean, if you would, if you were on the outside looking in at that, right, it would look like the forest is devouring the people. Cause they're just, you just would scatter shot in. I mean, you're not going yeah. in regiments anymore. You're just everywhere. And so that's yeah. what I saw, but there are some uh, brothers out there that I really respect who are like no? They died by the forest. So, uh, well, I'll uh, I'll let them uh, defend themselves. But I kind of saw it more as as the retreat, and that's. I mean, yeah. we have that later on with uh, with uh, Joab blowing uh, the the horn to to end this yeah. uh, uh, going after. But yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that's a that's a it's a uh, yeah. It's very fair. It's it's balanced. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it does. It is it's just such a fascinating moment, and uh, you know, like those of us who have who have seen, um, you know, like the Peter Jackson, uh, you know, trilogy, right? I mean, the the Ents, right? You know, go marching, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's pretty awesome, right? That that scene when they're like, um, you know, marching um, into Isengard, right? So um, that's just a fun little reference there. But um, I mean, well, also you can kind of see. Um, 
actually uh, Saruman, right, as like an Absalom type character, right? Like he's he's very like um, he 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 you know he's uh, Saruman, the uh, the the white, right? He he's the he's the one who's got the, the pretty robe and the pretty staff and his nice you know uh, you know uh, the Tower of Isengard's like all like, you know beautiful, right? You know, and so you know uh, and and he's you know rallying uh, people. Okay, well, I'm probably going too deep on this, but I mean, there's, 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 there's Tolkien was so, <laughs> Tolkien was so good. I mean, I think he literally really was drawing on all this stuff to yeah. like you know b- build up his his uh, his allegory, which was just uh, really cool. But I, I think I'm kind of kind of with you that um, I, I would take this as more like, well, I mean, kind of like with Absalom, how um, you know it's like you're you're on the retreat and there's like there's just. Um, you know, there's ditches and there's wild animals and people are getting like caught in um, like, you know, in, in the in the branches and in the thistles. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the kind of combination of things. But isn't that really interesting, though, to think of that, though, as as God using nature itself to uh, to judge, right, the, these uh, the, the traitors. Right. I mean, like it, it kind of reminds me of um, Balaam's donkey, right, where, where God is is using the donkey to uh, speak out against uh, Balaam. And so it's like, he's like using Absalom's own mule to judge him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I think it also helped me to reflect a little bit on uh, being able to say, okay, these, these are skilled warriors that Absalom and his, uh, passions don't really compare to in his ambition. Ambition does not compare to um, real knowledge of warfare. And these men have set up the perfect, they, they've set up the perfect and by God's hand, I'm not denying that yeah, yeah, by yeah. God's hand, they have set up a perfect battlefield for their victory and total defeat of Absalom. And you can just see that they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And Absalom has set up, um, it would it would have to be the hand of God to uh, to part the sea here because they yeah. put themselves against a wall. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly right. Like this is just not the first time we see this where where God uses nature to save His people and to uh, render judgment. Uh, I, I mean, like yep. you know, when like the earth you know opened up and swallowed um, everyone in, um, in in Korah's rebellion, right? Things like this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the forest, I mean, like we, we know that it's extensive and like, you know, basically this could have been, um, I, I mean, there's so many places it, it, the fighting could have been, it didn't necessarily need to be very far from, um, where everything was left in the previous chapter here. Um, but, but, uh, so let's turn maybe to the other question then, um, you know, so, cause you were kind of already kind of getting to it, um, with Absalom, you know, riding on the mule, um, and he—I mean, this is such a such a moment. I feel like there's like been a lot of art, actually, um, like of, of this scene, right? Like, what what's yeah. going on here? You know, Dave, David asks that the Absalom <laughs> uh, be spared, right? But yeah. I mean, is it really? I don't know. Is is it God's will to render uh, the death penalty here? I mean, is, is Joab in the right for what he does? Um, is God saying what, what the thing with the mule, like, Hey, no, like he's supposed to die for what he's done. Um, like what, what do you make of this? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is difficult. Um, 
it's a difficult scene. It definitely gives the appearance that Absalom is being judged uh, because he's not given victory. I mean, if, if the Lord wanted him to have victory, he would have had victory. He was given utter defeat to the point of his embarrassment to be caught in, in a tree, which, again, since we're right there, that photo negative, we've got a yep. son of David hanging on a tree caught on a in tree. which he has speared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, okay, there's some things there, right? I'm not saying he's mm-hmm. Jesus. He's like the opposite. His death, uh, he, had, he brought uh, death uh, from life. He, Jesus brings life from death. Right, so we've got these. Exa- oh yeah, opposites. oh yeah, no, no, and exactly, and I mean, and take it further, right? David, um, the the righteous son of David, the perfect David, our Lord Jesus, makes himself like Absalom, right? He 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 mm-hmm. looks like Absalom, right? Like he he uh, like David says, you know, like I, I w- like you know, I, I wish I I could have died for you. Well, Jesus says, all right, yeah, I'm just gonna actually, I'm just gonna go and be Absalom. I'm gonna I'm gonna die Absalom's death, and so he gets his head caught on the tree and he gets called, I mean, he gets called um, an insurrectionist, right? I mean, I mean, he gets accused of the exact things that Absalom did, right? Of of betraying the authorities, but betraying the King, right. Of starting a rebellion. So, I mean, he just takes it. He's just like everything that they said about Absalom. I'm just going to let them say that about me. I'm going to die instead of Absalom. Yeah. So it is, uh, his, our sins become his. That he, yes. he, this is this is the the truth of of the atonement. So he he accepts it all, and 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 to the point. Uh, I know we're kind of jumping ahead of your your question, but and to the point um, of uh, the uh, the question about why why didn't you kill him there? Yeah. <laughs> I would have I would have given you a reward ten ten uh, wasn't it ten. Ten silver coins. Yeah, right. A third of what uh, you know, Judas gets. Um, so yeah. yeah, there is there is reflection of like a reward for for death, and um, and he didn't take it. So again, we've got the the, the reversal. He doesn't take this um, because he he's not going to kill the son of the king where the others take it. So again, it's just. I, I can't stop seeing the reversals all, all throughout this picture. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So was it, so then he, he does not do it. Uh, and, and Joab uh, then has enough of this conversation, which I think, I think it reflects maybe that the messenger who brings us is telling him what the King wanted. And if the King declared this, I, I have a hard time saying it's not the right thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. or that something that we should have submitted to, or he should have submitted to, even though it was yeah, obviously oh, yeah. not wrong to, to take up arms and battle. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so, well I, I'm, yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's fair. So, no. And, yeah. and I, for me, for me, I mean, like, I, I agree. Right. Like, it's just, you, you, you feel that you feel the tension, right. You're like, okay, no, seriously, David, like what he did, um, you know, with, with the concubines, I mean, like with, with everything, yeah. it's like he has to die. Like, I mean, I mean, we, we, we but, all know that, I think, on a certain level, um, which is just so fascinating. Right. Because, I mean, this is a very much like, well, well, you're that guy moment, like from Nathan. Right. It's like we, we all look at this and like, no, like Absalom has to die. Like, you can't just let him off easy. 
And as we say that, we're condemning ourselves because, I mean, th- th- this is us saying, like, no, no, God, um, Adam and his sons all need to die. Like, you can't just let them off easy. Like, they, they, uh, you know, that was mutiny. That was insurrection. Like, you can't just let them off easy. That's naive. You have to kill Adam and all of his offspring. I, I mean, like, that. When we, when we say that about Absalom, we really are saying that about ourselves, um, which gives us uh, some pause, I think. Um, but then I, I think it does, though, get to what you're, you're uh, saying, though, that the, the bottom line, however, is that David spoke a word of mercy, that the king said, no, I, I want you, I want you to spare him, right? And, and so the word of the king, that, that's, that's what's absolute here. And so that, that overrides our sense of justice and our sense of wisdom and our sense of, uh, you know, just expediency, right? And, and so right. Uh, even though earlier, right, um, you know, David does go ahead and, and uh, you know, acquiesce and say, okay, guys, I won't go on the front lines, right? It's like, you know, th- this is what they, they should have listened to. And I think it just magnifies the the kind of uh, almost like just reckless mercy of God, right? That that God would, you know, seemingly so naively, right, spare Adam and his sons and say, okay, I'll give you another chance, even though they're just going to waste it, even though they're just going to, you know, spend the money on bad things, even though they're just going to turn around and choke their fellow servant, right? I mean, God's like, you know what? I'm still going to have mercy on him. And I think, I think we can see with Joab that he knows what where David is on this because yeah. he sends the Cushite. Yeah, um, he's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you might want no. How about tomorrow? Another day. Another you bring time. The news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to send this guy. Why? Because he knows uh, David might not react so well. Uh, so I think he knows what the king wants. I'm not. That's right. I'm not saying the king is right, but the king gets to make his declaration, and then tomorrow you can deal with um, someone coming back to the king and saying you're wrong. You know, I mean, he he's yeah. never short in telling the king um, his opinion. I mean, he has done this through other people in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, Joab has. So uh, I, I think the other thing that Joab is missing in all this is that he's a military guy looking for military victory, which is his yep. job, right? Yep. That's his job. He's just doing his job. But David... He's looking in some way to end what is wrong, but still restore his son. Because mm-hmm. we get that at the end. Where it's like, Joab, like, you didn't know that you think you're defending me and saving me, but I would be willing to die for my son. Yeah, And that's, that's what right. he's missing and all that. Well, and, and that's, I, I think this is what gets uh, helps us understand that when the Lord confronts Peter and says, you know, get behind me, Satan— You've got on your mind the things of men, not the things of God. Like he, he's not accusing him of being uh, a dummy or being like what we would, I think, even call what we would typically call evil, right? But but rather just you're you're thinking in, on human terms. You're you're making it about winning. You're making it about victory, right? Like yeah. no, my goal is not victory, Peter. I'm not trying to win. I'm not playing the game my my goal is to lose 
so that I can save the people who don't deserve a second chance. I, I mean, like, I mean, it really just, I think all of this chapter just so beautifully shows just how, yeah, it, it's like, this is what the disciples think should happen, right? Like the bad guys die, right? Absalom gets his, his comeuppance, right? Um, and all the rest. And, and Jesus is, is just turning around and saying, no, I'm trying to be the one who dies like Absalom um, so that he doesn't have to. I mean, it just, it really is just such a crazy reversal, the love of God that that's just so willing to debase itself. And the love of God is so perfect. It's so perfect that the bad guy dies, but in a way that we would have never known, like, we, we didn't figure this out. We didn't plan this out. Like, none of us came up with this. That This only comes from the mind and the heart of God that, yes, the old Adam, our sins are judged in Christ. When, when we say Absalom should be punished for that, it's not wrong. That's right. It is right. And, and God says it is right because he is just and the justifier. So... Yeah, he has to be both. He has to be our sin uh, and and be the most wretched of us because he takes on all of our sins as his own um, in order then to be able to turn and justify us as forgiven. And that's uh, that's the perfection of his love that it's uh, we will spend eternally eternity marveling in. Yeah. Um, one of the comments on, on on Facebook kind of compliments the thread we're developing here that like when David sentences Joab to death um, uh, for Solomon to carry out in First Kings two, he mentions Joab uh, killing Abner and uh, Amasa. He didn't specifically mention Absalom. Um, I, I do think that's a really interesting uh, little development, though, on the on this theme that in, in some ways. It feels like Joab is just like a hot head, and and like when he killed Abner, right? It felt it felt bad, right? It just like, well, hang on, this was he was yeah, sure he was on the wrong side, but he was he was repenting, right? He was, um, you know, he was coming around, right? Uh, but but he's like, no, but he deserves to die because he was on the wrong side, and and I feel like there's like a certain level where like Joab is just even though he seems like a hot head who's just like, I'm gonna get revenge, um, that he is right though. That, no, 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 like mm-hmm. he. He, he he was on the wrong side. He did, you know, take up against the Lord's anointed one. He does deserve to die. And I think this makes Joab actually a really good um, personification of Satan, you know, that that in some, like, or, or just like the law of God, right? I mean, Satan meaning accuser, right? Like, kind of like with Job. It's like, it's like, you know, Joab is kind of serving this function, you know, like of, of, uh, of, of Satan in, in the economy of God um, and the heavenly hosts of, of accusing people of what they have done wrong. And it's like, Satan's not actually lying when he goes and says, Hey, they all deserve to die. You, God, you can't let Adam and his sons off easy. You need to kill them. That's, that's what they deserve. Like he's not wrong actually like, like Joab, but in the end, right. God says, okay, you're right, but I'm going to make myself one of the descendants of Adam. And then I can die for them. Right. And, and then he, and then he, you know, exiles, right the the accuser who who had a, a valid point right i mean i mean like i, th- I think that that is uh we're kind of jumping ahead a, li- a little bit but i mean I, I think that's kind of you see that dynamic i don't know what do you, what do you think about that joab um kind yeah of i think this way? i think um i think to to try and get an application to our lives like i was recently talking to a member and we were 
talking about a struggle of, of trying to be able to, to, to love somebody, even finding a, a way to confront them in something that's an obvious and a, a gross um, sin, you know? Yeah. Um, and we're talking about how, how do we speak? How do we gain, gain the right to be able to talk so that they can hear? And it's like, um, if we speak the truth, yeah. without any desire to regain our brother, but just to crush. But that's not really yeah. God's word, even though it's true, right? right. That, that right. loses God's that's word, right? right? Um, God's word is a desire to gain our brother. So yeah. when we speak in that way, our hearts have to be the right place, too, of, of a humility that um, maybe sometimes we're, we are lacking in Joab. There's no humility yeah. of of mercy there. Yeah, that, that is that is a I I'm like I, I just made a note of what you just said, brother. That's I think so insightful that when we when we're just like no, like I'm going to speak the truth because it's got to be said. I mean that's that's pretty much Satan right there. You know, I mean there 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 he is. You know, he presents himself among the sons of God. And he says, well, God, I've been looking around here and I've got some things to report. And, you know, these people deserve to die. It's like he, he is just speaking the truth. Right. But but right. God, through his son, Jesus, commands us to something even greater than just speaking the truth, to speak the truth in love. You know, and, and that really uh, that really is uh, like just wow, because I mean, so much lately. Right. <laughs> in our country has been like, you know, someone's got to speak the truth and stand up for truth and, you know, choose truth. Right. And it's like, you know, uh, the, the truth is good. Uh, Joab had the truth. Joab was familiar with the truth, right? But there's something even better than just cold, uncaring, harsh truth. And if the truth that we want to cling to as the ultimate truth is just God's law, then we don't really know the truth, which is salvific. There's a yeah. greater truth that we have not familiarized ourselves Sorry. with, which is the mercy of our Lord, which is greater than the law. Um, right. And um, because it has fulfilled the law, it has actually There's, fulfilled. Right. It doesn't look towards the law and say, I don't care. No, he fulfilled uh, where we fail. That's and right. if we don't give that to our neighbor, uh, then we have not given them Christ. That's right. That's so, right. No, no, there, there, there's, there's, it's, it's the truth, but it's not the whole truth. There is a greater truth that, that completes the picture. You know, it's, it's leaving something out is, is the problem, right? Um, well, I mean, we're, we're kind of like fast approaching the end here. Um, you know, so, so mo moving on to the end uh, with these messengers, I just think this is just a cool image. Uh, first of all, right, like this is just kind of amazing. The watchman's like, you know, judging by the guy's uh, pace, you know, it, that's uh, that, that's got to be Ahimaaz, right? I mean, like, that's like, you know, like if you're just kind of like so well known as a runner that just a watchman on, on the on the tower, like can identify you, right? It's like, that's that's, that's kind of saying something. But, but what do you make of this, these these two messengers that come? I, I feel like I, I can't help it, but my like my brain is just kind of going crazy on the allegorical stuff at this point. Like, you know, like how, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and, and yeah. the two messengers. And, and yeah. I, I don't know, what, what do you, where do you go with that? Maybe that's just kind of a, a last question I can probably ask today. Yeah. I definitely was thinking that the, the, the feet of those who bring good news and yeah. what is the good news and the good news again, uh, this, 
this photo negative is the death of the son of David. Yeah. It's actually good news. Yeah. And it's good news for, for us that, that God uh, would bring about the, the death of a son of David, which is the victory that we all need. Um, now the yeah. first one doesn't say that he just got it less it off that you're, you're okay. You're, the victory has been won. And then the other comes and brings more of a harsh word, uh, a word that needs to be said. Um, but, um, that this first one who comes running, that he, he is bringing good news of the victory, which for us is that the son of God was willing to, to die here, yeah. uh, is the photo negative. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's amazing. And, and in the Greek uh, of of this chapter here in, in the Septuagint, it actually says there, like w- when David uh, says this, like ah, uh, and he says, you know, is evangelion. You know, he, he, it's not. So it's not. It's not. Um, yeah. It's not evangelion, right? But it's it's like for it's for evangelizing, right? It's for evangelism <laughs> that that he comes, right? Like that. That's what he says. And there's been a couple of like little like moments of that. Um, where you get that word where it's just it's showing you like you were saying like what 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 do we mean by the gospel right is it just kind of like hey here's some you know cheerful news this, this is a nice thing that happened uh, no it, not just that but like you were saying it's a word of victory right it's a it's a word of hey peace has been restored hey order has been restored uh, well, I mean ultimately as you said how the death of the son of David has um, brought things right again so just an amazing amazing foreshadowing helping us see that thank you so much brother um you know just again just so much light in the midst of a dark chapter so thank you and looking forward to having you on again soon thank you everybody pastor john shank trinity edwards hill illinois going on to chapter 19 till then i'm pastor aj espinosa peace you've been listening to thy strong word produced by the lutheran church missouri senate office of national mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.